podcast. My name is Gracie Gat Terrell. I'm joined today by an incredible guest. That's not really a guest anymore. You're part of the family, I guess. Yeah. Game whole, Armor Game. Yeah. Kingston Robinson. Yeah, all the names. All the names. Can you give us all of your names? Uh, all right. Uh, so Kingston Robinson, uh, Game Armor Game, Adrian Armor, the absolute of athleticism, the uh, you know, the sword of the hierarchy, the shield of the, yeah, there's just too many things. We don't have to go through all And what is your title with KCPN now? Because I think we just saw an announcement this morning ish, not morning, not morning at all. Yeah. You, we saw an announcement today yeah. that I you have a new title. I am the executive vice president of talent relations for KCPN. It's a full mouthful. It really is. And where did that stem from? Uh, so, I mean, if you really want to talk about it. I guess you're here. So, If uh, guys know about Johnny Ace or John Laurinaitis or anything of that nature, he was the executive vice president of talent relations for WWE, which was like a work shoot because it was real life, but they just brought this character to life. And it's a real position that in day-to-day -day life is a big deal. Like you're, you're hands-on with everyone that's around you, whether if it's, personality-based, work ethic-based, uh, presenting this product, you're like the funnel of, of all of that. And I don't, I don't know why that the was funnel. the funnel. I don't know why that's, that's the not thing. A funnel. That's felt a like shovel. Ricky Bobby. I didn't really know what to do with my hands. Yeah. You're doing a great job with them though. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's a you funnel. Just, you just gotta do what you gotta do. So when you are basically what, from what I understand, and this was my vision with bringing Kingston into the mix was basically being the Terry Tate of our office, which our office is clearly not a strict corporate professional type setting. So why not have somebody in here to hype people up? Because what are we doing at KCPN besides hyping everyone up? I mean, we do a lot of other things other than that, but. What, what exactly are we doing here? <laughs> I'm gonna start drinking. That's yep, that's mean. exactly it. That's exactly what we're doing here. So having you in town was just basically letting everybody know, hey, things are stepping up a little bit. Yeah. I feel like you fly in and it's like, it's time for business. Have you always just been that kind of like symbol of time to get to work? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get so good at developing talent? I started to care. Um, I, I never, a lot of people used to see me and like, I, I would fly in and it's like, oh, it's time to have a grand old time. Kingston's here. Okay. It's, it's going to be funny. It's going to be great. And after a while, I mean, that's cool. But sooner or later, it's like, okay, what are you going to do with it? Like how, how far is this going to last until it's just fun time? It's just a joke. And going through a handful of businesses and going through a handful of, uh, you know, doing the bullshit nine to fives and stuff like that. Yeah, sooner or later, there was just a switch mentally where I was like, guess what? I'm going to walk into a room and I'm going to make sure that that room is left better than I entered. And that's just kind of where that mindset has always gone. I like that because doing better is something that we can all personally take accountability for. Mm -hmm. uh, me just doing my show is a great start. Uh, kudos to our new producer, Zach, for this idea of like, hey, maybe now that we're set up for actual studio, which if you guys missed it, we're at Taps on Main right now. I'm not sure if you're able to see the Grim Reaper in the background here, but I do love him. Uh, he just scares me a little bit. Love is strong. Um, I, love, I love what he represents. <laughs> and he's just, I don't know. I feel like it's just kind of a very, like, it's a very natural setting to have it right here. I feel like we're having a talk. He's watching us. It's a lot of pressure. You're just chilling. But this is going to look completely different soon, and we're really excited about that part. But the foundation is what we've been laying here, mm -hmm. and that's exactly what we've been needing to do because KCPN is a great concept of creators 
bringing them all together, getting them all under one roof because sharing people's voices, real voices, not just FCC, uh, read this teleprompter voices of Kansas City. Not that there's anything wrong with that at all, but I'm, I think that like the grassroots movement of this, we've been talking all weekend about how this is like almost like a wrestling venture with all the different personalities, with all the mixes, with all the different shows. Everyone wants to be a wrestler. It's real Ex- life. Explain this. Okay. Every, everyone in their day-to-day life has this alter ego that's in their head. And it, I call it coulda, shoulda, uh, woulda brain. That's just what it is. Everyone has a scenario that they walk through day-to-day, whether if it's a conversation you have with a coworker or maybe a phone call or a text message. And you type what you normally, whatever, reply, but there's that alter ego in you that's like, man, I should have just said, you know, whatever it is. It's all wrestling. Like, everyone wants to be that version of them turned up to a 1,000 and can say and do whatever they want. And that's the world of professional wrestling. And, you know, being able to do it for, you know, a few, a few years or so and, and fighting people for a living for a while, is it, it's, it's very exhilarating. It's exhausting. It's mentally and physically demanding. And it's something that I would definitely do at any time, any life, whatever it may be. But... It's also very liberating because you can just walk through a curtain and that coulda, woulda personality is I get to do this, whatever I want to do. If I want to make sure that that grandma in the third row makes sure she despises me to the end of the world, I can do that in this 15 minutes. You laser lock on the grandma. Uh, It's just naturally you're going to pick a fight with the grandma. One of the best tips that I've gotten in wrestling is no matter how big the crowd is, find a, a patch and lock in on that patch of people because it's contagious. And once you pull that patch of people in, okay, then you can move to another patch and then you can bring them in. And then sooner or later, towards the end of the match or whatever, whether if you're in pain, whether if you're uh, enjoying a celebration, whatever it may be, you can lock in on one of those patches and you got somebody. Like, they know that it's you now. And... If you're crawling towards them, you got your hands out and you you lock eyes. Like I've made several several wrestling fans cry, just because one out of anger and one out of like they're worried about me. Like oh. they see me and they're like, "He is hurt. Someone stop this match. Someone get him out." Like they now emotionally care, and that's one thing that's so important when it comes to any content, not just wrestling media content and podcasting and and videography and all these things like we get in front of cameras we get on microphones for people to care but the content has to be like grab each patch grab each person and then once you do that yeah you have that person that's like man i'm i'm tuned into the podcast every week what's going on you missed a week i I, i'm I'm gonna replay it i'm gonna replay last week i'm gonna come back when you come back like that's that kind of connection that you always thrive for and I love the fact that you do Twitch streaming, too. And that's something that a lot of people have probably seen you on our network, the recaps and everything like that. However, I don't think we explained how you even got into wrestling because I've heard this nine to five stuff. I know that you worked on a horse farm at one point. Yeah. And there's just like there's just so many ventures. But how did you actually go into? I'm going to be a wrestler. <sighs> what a time. Um, so Take me back. <laughs> Uh, Believe it or not, I wasn't even the wrestling fan in my household. Uh, My older sister was the wrestling fan. 
She had the Stone Cold posters, the Rock posters, China posters, like all this kind of stuff in her room. And she she would watch wrestling religiously. And I was just some little kid just running around the house uh, watching Power Rangers or something like that. And uh, I stumbled into her room, which is like the no-go zone. You don't walk into your older sister's room just to do it. And she was watching uh, Friday Night SmackDown. And Rock was cutting a promo on Big Show. And I was like, what is going on right now? This is the most <laughs> Way better than Power Rangers. Yeah, I was like, this is the most insane thing. And since then, that became, like, that was the only reason she allowed me in her room was so we can come and watch wrestling together. And then it grew from there. And just like every other kid, after a while, I, like, went away from wrestling because it was like, oh, my gosh, wrestling is staged. Wrestling is this and that. It's not cool to like wrestling. And then, of course, I'm sitting there every other Monday like, wrestling's, wrestling's great. Why do, why, do people, why do people talk about wrestling like this? And um, then by circumstance, luck, whatever you may call it, um, I got told, like, hey, um, are you going to the cage match that's uh, going to be down the street? And I'm like, down the street? Cage match? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, that part. I'd be, well, like, out the door already. Was, I'm going to go fight in that cage. I was so baffled because I was like, you didn't even tell me, like, a regular wrestling match. Like, nothing. You were like, are you going to the cage match? <laughs> then it's down the street. And I'm, I'm in this little 45 minutes away from Atlanta, like, small Georgia town. And it's like, not much goes on there. They get happy about their Walmarts and oh, we have an eighth Waffle House in the city. Like, that's that's that that's city. That's a big deal. <laughs> Debatable. Uh, but so I'm like, no, I didn't hear about this cage match or nothing like that, but I got to work, so I, I'm not going to be able to make it. Well, ended up just by luck once again. Um, I got called out, which was remarkable because I was moving towards management, so I never thought that that would happen. Um, and so I decided to go to this cage match, and I'm watching the show. And this is also my first experience with, independent wrestling like a live independent wrestling right because i've okay. been to wwe shows right before this. okay but this is my first in-person independent show and i'm like what what in the hell is going on here like you got jimmy joe over here and like a fucking bath rag or something and then you got this dude that you know fell out of high school football but he did a few cycles of some good juice and now he's jacked and he's like, independent wrestling's my thing. And I'm like, this, this is very different, but you could see that they cared in the ring. And that's when I was like, you know what? This is pretty cool. So one of the guys that got out of the ring as he was walking to the back, he, he like pointed to me and was like, I'm going to talk to you later. And I'm sitting here like, who the fuck are you? Like, I don't even, what do you mean you're going to talk to me later? Like, are you still working gimmick or was that like, yeah. and I could tell that it was teeter tottering because the voice that he used to communicate that with me was very different than in the ring. So I was like, what do they call it when they break character? Uh, breaking kayfabe. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta live the gimmick. You gotta protect kayfabe, which I'm the worst person to talk about it. Because <laughs> anytime I talk about wrestling, post wrestling, I shatter kayfabe because fuck wrestling. I do what I want. I was almost going to be an Adrian Armour t-shirt, by the way. It may still happen. And, and that's where he, okay, so he said, I'm going to talk to you later. Yeah. So after the show, um, he pulled me aside and he was like, you're bigger than half of our roster in here. Now, now this is me, 185 me. 
Like, I'm 268 me right now. So it's like, I'm sitting here at 185, and he's like, you're bigger than half of our roster. And I was like, yeah, I kind of know it's the same thing. <laughs> just just going to be honest. And uh, he was like, have you ever thought about training to wrestle? And I was like, yeah, you know, like, kind of. But the only other wrestling school in Georgia was $1,000 to get started. And uh, it was also an hour and a half away from where I was at the time. And I was like, I don't. I don't have the financial commitment. I don't have the travel commitment. Like, I, I just don't have that in me. Now, when I was going to Georgia State, it was like 20 minutes away. And I was like, hmm, maybe I can do that. But then balancing, balancing work life, college life, and then trying to wrestle, it's like, also don't want to do that either. Um, so they told me that they had a wrestling school in that said venue that they did the cage match in. That venue was also six minutes away from my house. And they were like, oh, you can pay monthly for the school, whatever, this and that. And it's like, you know what? I'll come in and do your little camp and see how it is and get my, like, culture shock to how wrestling actually is. And then we'll go from there. And What was, was wrestling? Like, I think of wrestling school. I think of, like, Harry Potter and Hogwarts. Like, do you guys just go and, like, you have your little, like, you're all wearing like way too tight of like little pants and like boots and you're running around with like fringe jackets on. That's what I imagine wrestling school as. I know that's not what it is. Correct. But like day one of wrestling school has to be a lot different than day one of a lot of school. Uh, so day one of wrestling school is very much like day one of football practice. It's like day one of any, any other competitive thing because the first few days, anyone that's there, trainers, coaches, whatever, they're there to break you right then and weed you out. And that's usually the first three days of it. Like when I played football, that first month was hell because it was all like, we're breaking you so you can get on and we can actually focus on like the real people that are here that got this. And wrestling, whew, I came in there thinking, oh, we're about to learn these moves and we're going to chain wrestle and we're going to work on promos and personality. Absolutely not. You got in the ring and you started running and you ran the ropes and you ran the ropes and you ran the ropes because you have to learn how to run them safely. You have to learn how to run them correctly. And then also you're bouncing as you're running and you got to hit the ropes and that knocks the wind out of you. And then this, your equilibrium has to be trained to be able to understand how to stay balanced and, I've seen so many people run the ropes and drop and pass out or drop and throw up or uh, nosebleeds and all these kind of things. And, like, this all happens before I even get in the <laughs> ring. So I'm just sitting here stretching like, look, I'm in decent shape. I don't know what the hell these people got going on. Like, they're, like, dying in front of me. And I'm like, so, of course, the competitive side of me is coming out. And I'm like, I'm going to run the shit out of these ropes. So... I don't know if you've ever uh, noticed how The Rock runs the ropes, but he doesn't really, like, run them. He does this, like, hop-skip and, like, hop-skips into the ropes. So I was like, that's how I'm going to run the ropes because, to me, it makes sense because I'm doing half the steps. And once I can, like, regulate the give of the ring, okay, cool, I can get my hop-step and I'm going. So because of that, everyone else ran, like, 35 seconds, maybe 40. No one touched a minute. Um, I'm running these ropes, and my trainer noticed that I'm doing this hop skip. And I hear him as I'm running the rope saying, oh, he thinks he's smart. He had me running in that ring for almost two minutes. 
and I'm just going and I'm going and it got to the point where like my feet were getting numb but I knew I couldn't stop and then like everyone that's like dying and falling apart are like starting to look into the ring like he's still running and then he calls another wrestler in there someone that was helping him train um, and he starts running me crisscross and this is like an actual drill that people do in wrestling for endurance is crisscross drill and it's even worse because you get the double bounce from the other side of the uh, the ropes so as i'm running probably about a minute a minute in he sends someone in and starts crisscrossing me and then this is when shit gets wild because now i'm like i gotta match his timing i can't hop skip anymore because he's running you can't rock skip anymore. right so now i'm like I have to sprint with all of this. And I'm like sprinting with him in the ring. And then finally I just slide out. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like, I know you didn't call time, but I'm done. And uh, he pulled me aside and he was like, next time you think you're smart and you can shortcut things, you're just going to do them two times as long because you think you're skipping half the steps. And ever since then, wrestling was like so much attention to detail for me. I was like, okay, the rock can do whatever the hell he wants in the ring. I can't do that. I'm not the rock. I can't do that. So no rock skipping, full feet, run the ropes. And that was like my first day of wrestling. Camp. We didn't do anything else but run and squats. And be taught lifelong lessons of not skipping steps. I mean, I guess. I guess you can repurpose it into the rest of life. But Well, we're on Three Miller Lights Deep. We got to go deeper than just Three Miller Lights. We gotta apply these life concepts, you know. We've already had, we've already talked about Grim Reaper back there, yes. and you know when he's in the room, it just brings a level. My favorite wrestler growing up was the Undertaker, so I enjoyed scaring the crap out of my parents by playing his entrance music nonstop. It's so good. It's a very haunting sound. It's so good. Would you say one of who is your favorite wrestler growing up? Ooh. Because I know. There's an answer for this. Okay, so... I, I saw the movement. I have different divisions for this. So, as far as in-ring performer, my favorite wrestler is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat is just a fucking tactile technician. And I felt I felt like, for a while, he didn't get his, like, credit until um, Dragon Con one random year. I don't remember what it was, but uh, Steamboat was there. And Steamboat did a big in-ring spot with us and a lot of talent. And I'm like, oh, I'm hearing how they're reacting to Steamboat. Like, it, people love, people love the dragon. I was like, this is dope. This is a big childhood, like, full circle for me. Um, as far as favorite entertainer, of course, goes to The Rock because he brought me in. Um, he's been a big influence to me throughout all of life, not just wrestling, but all of life. Um, and then, of course, guys like Stone Cold fall right, right below that, Triple H right under that. Um, but Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was one of the first people that I watched in the ring, and I was just, like, blown away by the talent. I was just like, how's he doing all this? And he's, like, Jack, too. Like, Ricky wasn't just some, like, small little dude. Like, <laughs> the dragon was, and he was moving. I was like, who is this Swiss Army knife in the ring? And it's fucking Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And you made a comment earlier, obviously, that everybody wants to be wrestlers. I remember mm -hmm. specifically we were talking about Conor McGregor and this, that walk thing. Mm -hmm. You've noticed other sports, obviously football, touchdown dances, they all pay homage to any sort of uh, wrestling yeah. of yesteryear. A lot of Ric Flair struts, all that. I mean, McGregor is a perfect example. 
that McGregor walk looks very much like Vince McMahon. I've said this a lot before, uh, so I'm sure people that actually listen to all my podcasts know this. I think Vince McMahon created the original, like, Kardashian family with his own family. Like, they, to me, were the Kardashians. He played out his family like Chris Jenner. Like, Chris Jenner, I feel like, took notes from Vince McMahon. Mm, everyone just with, does. Everyone does. Everyone takes notes. And why? He is a brilliant, brilliant man. I don't think people realize what an industry wrestling is. Not just wrestling, but WWE. Let's put it, yeah, WWE. Okay. okay. Right? You've got this juggernaut. Yeah. And then I like this little AEW thing going on. It feels authentic. It feels real. It feels for the people. Yeah, you can say that. I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I mean, like, I, what Cody is doing with AEW is incredible. I have a lot of friends that work um, at and for AEW, and I'm very happy for them. I'm very happy that there is uh, another force in wrestling that's doing something because I hate it when it's like, oh, it's a WWE, and, like, TNA is cute. Like, that's usually how that is, and it's like, yeah, that's great and all, but wrestling doesn't elevate without competition. I mean, that's anything. That's why a lot of people are always get so excited when uh, another pop-up random uh, football league comes up. Because it's like, okay, maybe there's some competition to keep the NFL on their toes so we can keep getting an exciting product. But just like you said, yeah, like everybody, everyone wants to be a wrestler. We've seen Stone Cold Stunners and RKOs on the football field. We've seen Conor McGregor walk through like Vince McMahon. We've seen... Uh, all these kind of backflips and different moves and music videos and movies that are all wrestling centric. And it's like, now I've seen fight choreographers take, take 45 minutes, well, 45 seconds to a minute of a wrestling match and put it in their fight choreography. And it's in a Marvel movie. Like those are the things that you sit back and look and you're like, I'm watching Rey Mysterio versus Batista on SmackDown. But it's in this random fight scene in this movie. Like, I, I know what I'm looking at right now. So it's different things like that. Wrestling influences everything. And there's just too many people that are they're just not willing to accept that. The one place I say that it would be really entertaining to have, like, The Rock as president, you know, like, actually have him in the White House. I feel like we had a president recently that kind of did the theatrics and kind of did all the over-the-top stuff, but it wasn't well done. He could have taken notes from Vince McMahon, when to shut up and let other people talk for you. Vince does a great job of staying the face of it while not really taking all the... I, f I feel like he just sends his people to like take care of things, and he's just like, oh no, I'm Mr. Wonderful. He, I felt like he was a lot more active when I was growing up watching wrestling. Is he still as active now is he still out in Absolutely. front? Absolutely. Okay. Yes, his fingerprints on everything. Now, now what's great is that he's gotten to the point where, yes, he he can send faces out, but they're still kind of he's still the puppet master in the entire game. Um, he has a big influence on talent. He has a big influence. Like he's he's right there backstage with all the producers every show, right there hands on with everybody. There's too many times where the uh, Gorilla, as they call the the prep before going out to stage, writing Gorilla, he's right there with everybody, seeing people coming back with their titles and having those uh, you know emotional moments and all that. Guess what? Vince is right around the corner with the headset on, just proud of you, buddy. Like it's that's Vince, and like when you create this gigantic mecca of what the WWE is, you have kids that basically after being born are like. 
I want to be a WWE wrestler. Like that is how big of a brand you have. Yeah. You don't, you can sit back and chill now. You don't have to be on camera all the time. Yeah. You, don't, you don't have to come through with the strut anymore. When you do, it's incredible. It's iconic. I just got goosebumps thinking about it. So but they're, they're but yeah, you, you have the time to just sit back and be like, yeah, you know, uh, Roman, you're going to do it again. Yeah, fuck it. Just do it again. All right. We'll see you next week. That's all he has to do. And he's like 10,000 years old and he's built like a damn truck. <laughs> what is with that? He has, I don't think he looks any different from 20 something years ago. I mean, granted, <laughs> he's been in incredible shape and just walking to the ring blows both of his quads out and just has to deal with life sitting in the ring. <laughs> that that blown out quads just. The memes were, uh, <laughs> the memes were fantastic with that one. What is I that? have to say. How, how much of a juggernaut are you? where you can walk to the ring and you're supposed to be this powerful like entity and you blow up both quads and you're just sitting there literally on your ass. And you're like, I just, I just got to keep it rolling. What a time. That's professionalism. I blow up my quads. I'm crying. I'm screaming. I'm, I'm losing my mind. There is no hell. No, I'm blow. Now there is a time in the ring where I, my ankle, like, completely Ooh. folded over Ooh. and it was only because you know, independent wrestling rings are not the safest thing in what? by any means i feel like they're uh, put together by carnies usually so ha that's <laughs> hilarious that uh -oh. you say that uh -oh. uh, but yeah so a lot of people think that wrestling rings are like trampolines yeah i kind of just assume not the case it's iron and wood planks and people are like, but it gives. And I'm like, because wood flexes. Um, and that's it. it. In some good rings, you have like a nice pad. But it's like, it's like a, a normal pad. It, it hurts when you hit it. Like if you were to lay that down on the floor and jump on it, it's not going to feel good. And uh, sometimes in some of these independent wrestling rings, um, the owners of the rings skip out on buying good iron or good boards so you have times where boards shift and create gaps which is even more dangerous because if you're just running through and then all of a sudden a wood board is not there your foot's going right in there and that creates a problem and there is a time in one of my first few matches at same home promotion i was trained at i went up for a spine buster and i went to turn um and my foot went right into that hole and stayed there as i turned all the way through the spine buster um, and I didn't notice that anything was going on until I landed the spine buster and I went to like stand up and get the crowd up. And like, I stood up and just did this thing. And I was like, why am I on the ground? And I look and it's because my foot is just sitting there, like looking back at me, like what's good. And I literally just took my leg and my knee and like, like, you know, those snap on bracelets. I was just like, <laughs> and just. Yeah, rotated it back and then went and finished the match. And then I went to the back and my, my ankle looked like an elbow. Like it was just <laughs> ugly. And I was like, well, this, this might be a problem. I don't, think, uh, I don't think I need to wrestle anymore tonight at all. It's a good call. Yeah, and then I had to referee a match. <laughs> Indie wrestling is hilarious. I feel like it's very much like you get into it and then you get like 20 other jobs once you're like part of a team. Um. If they like you, yes. Okay. Um, if you just get out of school and you're, like, kind of okay, 
then you'll get your one-off match if they want you booked, and then that's pretty much it. But for me, um, I came out, and they're like, this kid takes things very well. He has a lot of emotion. He can grab a mic and actually speak, which is usually the downfall for a lot of independent wrestlers. They just they can't talk. Um, and not even on a microphone. They just can't speak in general. So that's why you see a lot of times indie wrestlers only start to get very well after they've been under a mask for a long time. That's usually like if you can't sell facial expressions and you can't speak, we're throwing a mask on you because you can work in the ring, but you literally can't do anything else. And then they develop you behind the mask until you're able to come out. Um, I was in this weird circumstance where (laughs) the booker of said show was like, we're going to put all the trainees in masks and they're going to wear all black and no one's going to know who they are. And they're going to tote around these black chairs and they're going to beat up all the baby faces. And I'm sitting here hearing this and I'm like, is this what it's like to be in a pitch room with Vince? And he says some wild shit and everybody just has to be like, yeah, okay, Vince, we got it. Or is this like one of those moments that's going to be bigger? Like Vince coming up with like the shield or something. And everybody's like, this shield gimmick sounds stupid. Uh, And then all of a sudden it turns into this Mecca for these three guys. And, and I'm like, okay, you know, we'll see where it goes. Um, it ended up being pretty awful. Uh, the Black Chair Brigade was probably the worst worst gimmick in independent wrestling. And, wow, that, that says a lot. And you got to be a part of it. I, Isn't that great? I was the Black Chair Brigade. Because after a while, it was like I was triple booked in the same show. Because they wanted to get me out and actually, like, wrestle as me. Uh, but they were also using me as a referee as well, um, which any independent wrestler out there, um, it is very beneficial to referee matches before you actually wrestle because you understand how important of an entity the referee is. The referee is the seasoning to all the food that happens okay. in the ring. And if we all know what it feels like to have a plate of food that looks great. And then you taste it, and there's not a lick of salt, pepper, garlic powder, paprika, nutmeg, cinnamon, nothing. And you just got a big plate of who the fuck made this. And that's what a very bad referee is in a very good wrestling match. It just ruins everything. Um, so any indie wrestler out there, go referee some matches because you'll probably learn um, a lot more. But referee some matches. And then I would go to the back after I would referee and change into my all black stuff and go out and jump a baby face and get a whole bunch of heat. And it's like, oh, my gosh, we hate these faceless, nameless people. The black chair brigade is terrible. And then I would go upstairs and change into my wrestling gear and come out as Adrian Armour and be this big, loving baby face from, you know, that lives five minutes away. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, he's so athletic and he's charming and he can talk to us and we understand it. And I'm like, wow, I can just manipulate y'all at any time. But I will say, as hectic as that time was, it taught me how to be able to flip the switch on a dime with everything. And physically, mentally... And vocally, having that range of being this voiceless, nameless character one minute, being a voice of reason and rules as the referee, and then going and being the charming babyface, 10 minutes after that, it just taught me on, like, 
okay, if any last minute changes ever happen, which always happens in wrestling, um, I know that I can flip it in Excel instead of drowning in that moment, which happens to a lot of people. And that's with wrestling, media, whatever. A lot of times people get hit with last minute stuff and it's like, okay, I'm in the weeds. I'm drowning. I don't know how to work on this. Content creation is all about getting yourself out of that and getting yourself focused. I don't have to tell you this, but you know, for people that want to start podcasts, for people that want to start streaming, for people that want to start creating content, the the thing that I tell people the most is consistency mm-hmm. and adaptability. Absolutely, and I learned I learned that a lot on Twitch, because um, you mentioned Twitch earlier, and like Twitch has been this weird uh, little like <laughs> world because it changes all the time. I remember when we um, first started Sprouts Takes. And that's what this show kind of like stemmed from. It was the uh, my evolved version of Sprout Stakes. Mm-hmm. And we would try to stream on Twitch and make affiliate and then make partner and all this stuff. And so learning about the Twitch world now mm-hmm. versus a few years ago, it feels like there's some there was more emphasis on being a partner and how big that was and how monumental that was. And now it just kind of seems like let's just get as many partners involved. So Twitch kind of seems like some place that somebody could jump in and really build an audience out of thin air it doesn't you don't have to have like a huge audience people will find you it seems like right so that's a that's a double-edged sword because the the twitch algorithm for discovery is complete dog shit it is so bad like if you are a nobody joe blow and it's like i want to start a twitch channel and all that no one's gonna find you no one's gonna discover you it's not like YouTube will maybe your stream will come up in a related, you know, t- no, their discoverability algorithm is horrible. But if you take the time and bust your ass and, you know, create very good content, reach out to people, uh, watch other people's streams, um, go to the same category that you want to build into and watch other people and see what you could do better, what you should not do, how people lose views. I, I, I probably spend more time watching other people's streams and seeing how they go and seeing what they do that makes people leave their stream mm-hmm. and adding all of this information in my arsenal so I know, okay, these are the things to do. These are the things not to do. This is how you keep your, your product genuine this is how you keep your audience engaged like studying is so important in that because if you don't you're going to be that guy on twitch for three years with 62 followers and you just made affiliate and you you feel great about it because you're like i've been grinding for three years and i'm finally an affiliate and it's like well brother if you would have sat down and really buckled down like i i went on twitch and became an affiliate after three weeks and it was one week of me not taking it seriously. There was another week of me doing test pop-up streams and like just trying to figure it all out. And then it was another week of, okay, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to stream on these days. I'm going to communicate with my audience because I do have one already. I'm going to communicate with my audience and then we're going to get this done. And then now I'm three months in to doing all this. And I was surprised because now I'm watching all these people like resub their three months. And I'm like, oh, it's my three month anniversary. Of being an <laughs> I'm like, what, what is going on? Why does everybody have these three months? And I'm like, oh, 
okay, guys, we're here. But it's it's because I'm I'm so focused on creating the content for them and not for me. And a lot of people get on platforms like Twitch or Facebook Gaming or YouTube or whatever, and they're creating content for themselves. They're doing all of this for themselves, whether for the clout, for the money, or whatever it may be. I'm creating content for my consumer. So I know that you can't go on YouTube and find anyone like me. You can't go on Twitch and find any stream like my stream. But you can go on Twitch and watch Call of Duty Master MP5 on 2,000 different streams. They're all, most of them are all the same people. Like, how many times do I go through the Call of Duty section? I watch about 15 to 20 streams. At least eight of them are the same thing. Camera's in the same spot. Camera view's the same spot. The personality is the same. It's all the same shit. I'm like, can, can, somebody, can somebody give me a range of emotion? Can somebody get excited for a little bit? And I, I see a lot of that in content creation because, unfortunately, it's in... It's a, uh, it's a subcategory where a lot of it is follow the leader. Mm-hmm. And people have to realize, especially now with social media and how short form social media is, uh, there's a new leader every day. And following the leader now just puts you in, not even in second place, it puts you in like fucking 12th. That's how fast everything is. So it's like, go and be you, be genuine, be authentic, because there's not going to be another you. You can be a first place you, and that puts you in the first place in other things. That happens. A lot of people don't understand that. They're like, I have to be the next whoever the fuck. Wrestling does that too. Absolutely. And you even mentioned when we were talking this weekend about how you saw me as like a brand wrestler. Or you said something on the lines like, because I guess going back and explaining how we even got connected to mm-hmm. bring you into KCPN mm-hmm. would probably be a good backstory. So I think it's kind of cool that, like, social media-wise, my presence kind of seemed like a wrestler. And I was okay with that. I like hearing that kind of response. I'm like, okay, cool. I dig that. Definitely a social media wrestler. That brings the intensity. Mm -hmm. So how did you get involved with KCPN? I don't know. Okay, cool. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Recovery Hydration Therapy. You can go to recoveryhydrationtherapy.com to check out IV Therapy brought to you. Also, if you've noticed... We're at our Taps on Main studio. Come down to Taps and check out their world-renowned wings and, of course, their beer wall. you got to check it out. So, I'll take them back. You know. At first, when I ran into you on Twitter, I was like, oh, she's a decent Twitter follow. I'll, I'll, I'll add. Decent. Yeah. And I follow, and I'm like, yeah, still pretty decent. Nothing, nothing too wild. And as things are going, and I'm, of course, now starting to watch other people that are associated with this brand because it's shared on your Twitter. I'm like, okay, they got they got a nice little crispy thing going on. And, like, we started in communication, and most of it wasn't even about the network. It was just random things that we would talk about or random sports things that would come up. And for me, it was very refreshing because um, just moving and not having a lot of my friends that I get to – talk to in person on the day-to-day um it's nice to have someone fresh to be able to talk this stuff and it's not the same kind of conversations mm-hmm. um and then you know i sat back and of course during the quarantine and uh, all this shit going on i'm like hey, it would be really cool to kind of kind of shoot the shit and start a podcast and 
get back in front of a camera and all that because once I left wrestling, I just kind of like said fuck it to all of that. And um, you were like, it's not like you're speaking to someone that doesn't, you know, just have a network and all. And I was like, you know what? I'm kind of a piece of shit. You're right. You I want to go right. that far. A lot of people do that, though. They talk to me, and they're like, yeah, I just wish I could do something. And, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, it's weird because it's like we could do that with right, you. Right. It's like you have this community. But I have a hard time with community and understanding that I have people that can help. You just have to ask for it or you just have to put it out there. Well, it wasn't even it wasn't even about asking about it. It was just one of those things where it's like since our conversations didn't stem from that. Right. It, it was just like. I have no reason to bring it up unless I'm actually like really serious about it. And once that happened, it was just like, okay, got a mic kit. Um, I have my little shitty laptop and we're going to record some audio. And then it did the live shows on Podbean. That was cool and all. And then that's when you started hitting me up and was like, okay, you should definitely do video because you are lively enough to be in front of a camera and, you know, stream or pre record or whatever. I'm sitting here like, my webcam is trash. Um, I do know I can port my phone and use that camera, but like, who know how well that's going to, and I spent so much time and research and all this stuff like, and you didn't have to go to college for this. You didn't have to make this huge production. I mean, you can always go to college for journalism and media and all that stuff, of course, right. but there's so many resources available right. online. Yeah. And I've probably read all of them. Not going to lie. i <laughs> Every day. And I don't knock people that don't read books. I don't because I hate reading. Not going to lie. Um, but YouTube is a masterful thing. Audiobooks are a masterful thing. Um, and you can learn so much if you just gave one damn and decided to look up whatever it is. And that's what I did. So I'm like doing all this stuff, figuring this all out. Also, on the other side, putting together this show and this brand and working on logos and designs and all this dumb shit because I care about branding and, and uniformity around brand and all that. And then finally, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to do video. We're finally going to get here now. And I started doing this Twitch thing, and everyone's, like, super excited about Twitch and Within a week before I got my first stream, I went from one follower to about 300 and something followers. And I was like, I haven't even done a stream yet, guys. Calm down. I know I'm promoting, but we're going to get there eventually. And then the first one I'm using, you know, my bummy webcam. And I've sat there and tinkered with the saturation and the contrast and the white balance and all these things to try to make it look good. And it was funny because after two months or so when I go from my webcam to using my iPhone and then now I have my Sony uh, A51, I, my first stream with my Sony, I had it on my webcam first because no one knew that I got a new camera. So I'm like, I'm on my webcam and people are coming in and everyone's talking and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, y'all know what? I can't believe y'all had me looking like this because I had already set up the camera and saw what it looked like at first. And I was like, what in the hell? Like, I can't even believe y'all are, are sitting here watching this and like, oh, Kingston looks good. <laughs> Bullshit. But that also lets me know my community does really rock with me because yeah. if it looked like trash, I've seen the bounce rate on Twitch. 
if it looks like trash or if it sounds like trash or if you're talking into a muted mic or whatever, people will get the hell on and go and watch something else real quick. So when I hit that that uh, scene change and it went to the new camera, everybody was like, whoa, what? Fire. Like all this stuff in there. And I was like, guys, I, I care about this for y'all. Like I, I would not bust my ass and try to figure out all this stuff. This is no longer just a a hobby to keep things interesting for me. Like I enjoy this. I love this. And I'm so passionate about all of it where it's like, okay, let's dive in. We're already here. Like literally when I get back into town sometime next weekend, I'm doing a big ass unboxing of a bunch of shit. That's just going to make this stream better for everyone that's watching it. And I'm, I'm just excited about it. We've got some projects going on with you too behind the scenes. Yeah. New podcasts that we're working on, um, developing. The, the excitement around the network has just grown, obviously, with today's announcement. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, with more and more people coming to Kansas City. I mean, we have people from all over the place contributing to this network. And what I love about it is how much of the content creation is done by the content creators. You know, we just now have a producer and we're almost a year into it. So it's like every single person that's been on this network has been creating from home or from their own resources. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's a Zoom call on an iPad, but they're still creating. And I think what community does and especially what KCPN will do for the content creators is essentially going to be we provide that community. We're not going to do it all for you. Right. You still have to have a good product. Yep. You still have to put time into your shows. You still have to put that effort in. The guests are not just like flying in yet. They will be. I'm not worried about it. I've been seeing people walk back to the studio all the time, peeking their heads and what's going on back here. It's mm-hmm. like the, the and momentum's there. So the momentum's there. When somebody is going to create or somebody is stagnant in creating or somebody's got some like problems or they, it's a mental block, how would you come in? executive VP of media or of talent relations. Mm -hmm. What is your step with that? Where do you start with stagnancy? So usually I I try to figure out why are they comfortable? Because that's usually becoming stagnant. You found some lane where you're comfortable and you feel like you're so good at something that you haven't decided to innovate in some kind of way. So I try to find out, okay, what are you, what are you comfortable at? Oh, you think you're very good on the mic. Oh, you think you have very, very good camera presence. And then we're going to sit down and we're going to coach through what you think is perfect first. Because if that's your A plus Wagyu steak, beautiful type thing. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, no, we have, we have a lot to work on with that. Mm -hmm. It's easier to do that first and then reconstruct down. A lot of people will think, Oh no, you work on the weaknesses first and you do that. No, they know their weaknesses. Yeah. I want to see what's their what's their best thing. What's their top tier thing? Let's work on that because that's what you're passionate about mm-hmm. because you feel that you're the best at it. I know you're going to give me your all in making your best better. Then we can work on your weaknesses because not only that, we've established some sense of confidence as well because people hate hearing what they're bad at. They Some people. They hate it. I love it. Yes. Because you're not the person that I would have to go to and be like, you're being stagnant right now. I know. But. <laughs> um, Coach me. Help me. Well, people hate hearing about their weaknesses, especially when that's all they're given. Okay. So let's talk about what you're great at. Let's work on that. We'll work from there down. Now, once we're on to the weaker of the weaknesses, 
that palate is a little more malleable to taste. Oh yeah, okay. I already know that I'm bad at this, but we've worked on all this stuff. Now, now there's hope. I will be good because we've made all this better already, and that's just a, a technique that I've taken from wrestling. That's a technique that I've taken from football because football players, they're a different animal. And if you have a DB that is so good at all these things and they're really bad at two things, um, but they make up with it with their athleticism, like. There are tons of great DBs out there, and they're very good at other things. They're trash at flipping their hips. And that that's a game breaker when it comes to being a DB, but they can make up with it with, like, pure athleticism. But trying to coach them to be better to flip their hips is so hard because it's the only thing they're not good at. So it's like, okay, let's talk about what you are good at. I dig that. I dig that a lot. And we're, all, we're talking about football a little bit. we got to talk yeah. about the Chiefs just a little you're oh, in Kansas okay. City. Okay, yeah. You're a I huge am. Chiefs fan. I am here. What is it like coming back to this city and seeing the love and the just complete adoration of the Chiefs here? Like we're, I, as we speak, we could look out of that door and it's see so a gigantic mural. It's so beautiful. Uh, it's like It's like a kid seeing Mickey Mouse for the first time. Um, it was like me when I went to whatever theme park it was and I saw the Power Rangers do like a set for the first time. Like it's, it's some real magical shit because I've spent my whole life being a Chiefs fan, um, watching Chiefs football, finding ways to uh, reroute cable and and use internet sources to watch games because both my parents are in the military. So it was impossible to get the chiefs on unless they were playing someone that was local to us. Um, and it's just like, I, I've been following this team for so long, been playing video games since Sega Genesis and playing John Madden and playing the chiefs and just looking at square and red and white rectangles run around. And it's like, I only picked this team because my uncle's on this team. This is my favorite team. Like, my dad is a diehard Atlanta Falcons fan. I don't know why, I mean, he's from Atlanta, but it, it felt like he should have had to change of heart sooner or later. It just never <laughs> happened. Um, my older sister is a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Um, don't ask me how that happened because we never lived in Philly. We never lived around Philly. Um, that's just her team. I get it. I used to make, I don't, I used to make I comments don't like that. It. Like, I don't understand how people are from a city and they don't have – all their teams as city teams, but I'm starting to loosen up on that stance. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I still don't get it. Honestly. Um, also shows that you obviously have a very bad area that you're in because you can't even embrace what's happening around you. But also people would say that about me because I used to reside in Atlanta and they're like, Oh, you're a cheese fan. I'd have to go through the whole thing of like, yeah, my uncle played for a little while. I grew up this or that and all that. And it's just like, <laughs> it's kind of exhausting, but coming here, and it's just, it's the little things. Like, walking down the street and just seeing the logo everywhere on signs. Seeing the face mask with the logos and seeing everybody with the same. Like, if I'm walking through Atlanta and I see any kind of KC merch, I get so excited. Because it's like fucking seeing a unicorn. Absolutely. But here, it's like, oh, it's everywhere. And KC, that's my first first and middle initial um, red's always been my favorite color and it's like, I just feel so like, 
embodied. And it's like, it's, I don't know, seeing the city and it's like, wow, these are the things that I have as my wallpaper on my, on my television and on my phone and all that. And now I'm like walking through trying not to like <laughs> spiritually explode because I'm like, what is going <laughs> on right now? Um, it is, it's definitely been incredible being here and seeing the sights um, and just basking in all of it. Like, like you said, the mural right outside. Like, I've seen it on Twitter, and I'm like, man, this is awesome. And now I'm sitting here like, ha, it's in front of my face. Like, it's right here. I don't know. It's It's been a wild, wild time for sure. And walking out and seeing the skyline, that was probably our favorite uh, realization yeah. of the uh, the filming part. Yeah, yeah, figuring out that um, the skyline that we have in our logo as our background that we did buy the purchasing rights to, so don't get me on that one, uh, is literally it's right ours. there. Yeah, it's don't ours. try to sue me. I'm tired of it. Uh, right there. You just see it, and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. From start to finish, you look around, and it's like you are fully engulfed in Kansas City. Like a big hug. It, it feels like a big hug. Oh, it, oh this yes, it does. It feels like a big hug. It does. And it, like, describing that to people, they're like, ew, Kansas City. Like, I, just like the guy. Oh, you consider Kansas City a hub? You're damn right I do. Yeah. So much passes through here. No one comes through this city and it leaves like, oh, God, the people were awful. And yeah, man, if they did, I don't know where they went. They're a trash they, bag. Yeah. That's and, them. Yeah. It, it's on them. Because this city will provide you with, if you match the energy and the kindness, and, and it throws people off. I know it throws people off when they come in town and everyone's just super nice and super happy and willing to, like, talk about Kansas City or talk about whatever. It does throw people off. Not everyone, I guess, is like that everywhere. No. Because I'm living in Virginia right now, and it's a... It's a huge hefty bag. <laughs> it's a huge hefty bag. It's, it's the more awful. You be, the more that you're in Kansas City, the more it's like, okay, I get this. I've noticed it for more than uh, – I was here for maybe 30 minutes, and that was just at the airport. And I'm like, wow, this is already better than Virginia. And then uh, I left the airport, and I'm like, yeah. It's still, and I, our it, airport is, like, under construction is not – you were in, like – that's not the new airport. What's crazy is that I've, I've been here before. I just didn't get the chance to experience the city. Um, I was contracted to wrestle by a company, um, and they I worked for the St. Louis branch, and that was great because I got to go to St. Louis every two weeks. I don't and, wish that on anybody. Well, they have this place called um, St. Louis Fish and Chicken. and We have better fish and chicken. Well, well damn. All right. Uh, I will show you better fish and chicken. New I, mission. First of all, St. Louis fish and chicken is incredible. We would have it after we wrestled, and like that was that was the highlight of that trip was being able to go there. Right. Notice um, it's not going to the city; it's the fish and chicken. Right. Right. And yeah. it's mainly because we drove to St. Louis from Atlanta, so it's like we're yeah, like we're <laughs> we're making the drives. It's just wrestle. Let's let's get some food, and then we're we're taking the haul back. But then once the company was like, oh, you know, we want you over to do some KC shows, too. In my head, I'm like, oh, well, if that's the case, hey, every weekend we're going for the weekend. Like, we're not just going for that day. Um, especially when they're like, you know, we'll fly you out and take care of, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, we're, we're, make sure when you fly us out, it's like Thursday or Friday through Sunday. Like, this is not any, because I'm I'm going to spread my wings in this one. <laughs> I don't really give a damn about exploring through St. Louis. Like I listen to enough Nelly. I, I figure out where things are, but I gotta, I gotta be in this spot. And they were like, 
I mean, like, we can just, uh, just, you know, fly you in and out and love. I'm like, well, you guys are kind of pieces of shits, but we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. So, of course, great accommodations. They fly us. But it, it was literally like touchdown. We were met. Driver was there. Drove us to our, our hotel. We unpacked. Had a bottle of water. Got back in the SUV. Went to the venue. Stretched. Wrestled. Did a few promo shots. Back in the SUV. To the hotel room. Went to sleep. Flew out that morning. It's like I'm sitting right here in the city and I'm not doing anything here and it's very upsetting it's upsetting too when people are like did you go do this did you go do this did you go do this it's like no i didn't have time no i didn't do shit i i got beat up and then left like that's not where i came to kc4 that's not a good i can fight anyone anywhere but yeah that was that was that and like i would have just appreciated like going to get something to eat like if they were just like hey we're gonna go out and get some food we're gonna go to q39 and have some food I'd have been like, okay, cool. Nope. I think we ate at the hotel. Like, we, no, we had food and catering at the venue, and it was like pizza and chips and shit. I don't get what's catering. <laughs> you did. You did try Q39 though. Yes, it's the first bur- barbecue of Kansas City experience. Yeah. Thoughts? We gotta hear it. Okay, so I haven't been to all these other places that people say could rival. Um, but my Q39 experience was pretty fucking immaculate. Um, and I love the word immaculate. I don't just use it to use it. It's the brisket. I I was just trying to pick it up with my fork and it was just tearing apart. Like, what the hell is that about the ribs? What? I, I just, there was no tug. It was just like, there's the rib, like it's off the bone, like it's there and like just the, the smoke in it. And then you got the pulled pork and so, and then let's, let's talk about, I was going to say, you can't forget, event. you can't forget these burn ins now, now guys, let's talk, let's talk about it. Camera, let's talk about it. I've seen so much Twitter talk. You know, every time we sign somebody on the team, it's always like, where are you going to get barbecue? Have you been to Q39? Like all this kind of stuff. And they talk about the burn-ins and how great they are. And sitting here like, look, this food can't be that good. And I'm a foodie. And I'm very hard on food. How dare you? So I'm sitting here like, y'all just y'all just talking a lot. This must be a brand thing. This must be like a joke thing. Like maybe it's a KC inside joke. And since I'm not in the city, I'm just about the city. Like... Maybe I'm just missing out on that. I now me would go tell past me to just shut the fuck up because you just don't know no better because I had that first burn in. And I was just like, I don't even know if I was chewing and I wouldn't even have had to, <laughs> but I think I was chewing and I was just in a, a complete different stasis of being. I was just like, wow. This is what they do here, and they they do it every day. Like this is I didn't come on no special weekend or nothing like that. This is just some regular shit y'all got going on. Like I feel like that's how people feel when they come to Atlanta and they get like honey hot lemon pepper wings. But to me, you can get honey hot lemon pepper wings anywhere. You just go to Atlanta, and it, it, I think it's just the culture thing. I can't go nowhere and get no burnt ends like this. Y'all got like fucking dinosaur meat out here. It's something different. 
But yeah, Q39. They they you actually uh, liked my tweet like 20 minutes ago about them. Um, well, you're basically sponsored now. Get me a jacket. I need some merch. I will <laughs> I will burn down any city I'm I'm in, and it'll just be Q39. Yeah, don't even try me with your barbecue. I got Q39. You just got smoked by Q39. Are you filming a promo right now? It should have been a promo. Okay. Somebody, somebody yeah. send that to them. Yeah. Send that to them right now. We got this. If I see a shirt that says you just got smoked by Q39 in like the next two months, I'm fighting everyone. Oh, yeah. That's IP right there. We'll sue them for you. Well, it's okay. I, I, I just got unblocked by all the Kansas City barbecue joints on Twitter. It's a long story. Chris Jones actually helped with some of that with Joe's KC. Uh, one day, my friends, because they're incredible people, put me in a thread and started uh, talking about clown porn with Joe's KC, Q39, and I'm not sure if it was Bryant's or uh, Plowboy's. Either way, very inappropriate conversation. I am formally apologizing on behalf of my awful friends that shall not be named, but I appreciate the unblock. So I am not going to be pushing any agenda. I'm just going to say I'm grateful that they don't have me blocked anymore because that hurts because I love you guys, Q39, and I'm glad that we've made amends. Yeah, Q39, if you need anybody to cut a promo for you, I'm available. We got a Terry Tate in Q39. I'll be back. Oh, my God. I absolutely love it. Well, I just want to say thank you on behalf of KCPN. I want to say thank you on behalf of just really Kansas City, because I feel like your presence has been uh, a gift to everyone in this city. Everyone Everyone that's met you has been happy to meet you. Everyone has been very responsive that, hey, Kingston's pretty awesome. We're excited to be working with him one on one. That dude's an asshole, but somehow. Whatever. Somehow. Whatever. You helped me revive my show by just being here, and we did it. Yeah, and we that's did half do the it. battle. We're here. Did we, we do the damn thing? We, oh shit! You guys are gonna hear that enough. I think. Uh, I think that's. I think that's it. I look. <laughs> look. I appreciate so much being here. I appreciate meeting everyone here. I'm excited to meet more people as. This continues, um, this new role, this new position, this new hierarchy, this whole thing that we have going on. Um, it's it's more special than a lot of people realize. They're going to see this and they're going to be like, oh, there goes Gat on social media again, just, just dropping bombs on us. But it's also like they don't know that this is a big step, but it's a stepping stone, which means there are more to follow after that. Oh, yeah. And um, – I think we're on quite the uh, track race to to do some really cool things. And we got even more announcements coming up. That's the fun part is if I don't have something to announce, am I even alive? You know, am Who I knows? even living? If I don't tease an announcement for months at a time. It's like a damn Marvel series. It's like every time we, we finally worse. think that we understand what's going on, there's two post credit scenes and now we got to wait another six months for whatever the fuck is going on. And it's like, <laughs> why do you have my life in shambles? How can you control me? It's not like six this? months this time. It's when when is months. the next month? When is the next announcement? What, like uh, when can people oh, look I'm forward a, to it? I'm allowed to say this. Yeah. You, you, we can, the, the promo's already been out. Oh, fucking executive vice. If you want to film, if you want to film relations, a quick I got some damn stay tuned. Here. You want to film a quick stay tuned. We can stay tuned. For everyone watching, Kansas City, KCPN, all the talent regarding all of it, three Miller Lights deep. Look at this. I mean, it's only one right now, but I'm sure it'll be several, several, several. It's my birthday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out. Shout out to the birthday. But there's so much more coming. And on the magical day of 420. Who Which is not just who any 420. Known? 
Who would have who would have fucking known how that worked out? 420 more big things are coming up. And you can't forget the date. You're not going to be able to be like, oh, I forgot that this was coming. No, no, no. No. On, on 420, KCPN is going to be on your timeline blowing things up again. Who would have known? Our one-year anniversary. Yeah, we still one are leveling up every single day. Like, damn, Mario eating a mushroom. <laughs> all right. I don't know where I'm going now. I, not really sure where that one we went, but that's all, okay. We should cut We're all We're glad that now. you have been here today. That's all that matters. First step is getting my podcast back on track. I want to say shout out to my producer, Zach, our producer, Zach. He's basically the backbone of this operation now. doesn't really matter what I Thank do anymore. God, my back is awful. <laughs> Wrestling, man. Wrestling. It's just age, too, you know? The older you get, we don't have the older to, you get. We don't have to do yeah, that. It's okay. It's okay. But I want to say thank you. We are one Miller Lite deep on three Miller Lights deep. Thank you for listening to Three Miller Lights Deep, recorded at the Taps on Main studio. We will be back on April 5th with the next special guest from KCPN.